It's Monday, February 1st, 2016, and the One More Verse podcast is back. Hey everybody, it's John Nix, and although we've been delayed with some computer problems, some microphone problems, some website problems, and all kinds of problems, we're back and we're ready to talk about the scripture. Today we're going to be talking about Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Jonah is one of those stories that everyone seems to know. Everyone's heard about this incredible story about a man inside this great fish. The problem is, the fish only occupies about three verses in the entire book. It's actually an incredible story about a gracious God. And as we begin, we're introduced to the fact that the Lord just comes to this guy named Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, Amittai uh, really means truth. And so you've got Jonah, the son of truth, receiving this word from the Lord. And God tells him to do something that for us, when we read, seems very innocuous. He says, go to Nineveh. Now for us, we're like, okay, God told a prophet to go to a city. No big deal, but it is a big deal. This is a major city in Assyria. And this major city is at odds with the people of Israel. There's been mistreatment. They are brutal and inhumane in their attacks. And so when the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, it's an unusual thing. This would be one of the first times that God calls his own prophet to go to a Gentile nation and pronounce judgment against it. He tells Jonah that this great city needs to be called out against because their evil has come up before him. But Jonah does something inexplicable. When we're reading along, we have the benefit of knowing what's going to happen. But imagine you approach the scripture and you don't know what's going to happen. It seems that if the word of the Lord came to the prophet of the Lord, told him something to do, the automatic response would be that he would just do it. But without any warning or any explanation, all we know is that Jonah got up and instead of going to Nineveh, he tried to run away to the city of Tarshish, which is about as far away as you could get in the south of Spain. He goes down to Joppa, he gladly pays the fare to get on a ship, and he's going to take this long journey. His goal was to get away from the presence of the Lord. Now surely there had to be something inside of this prophet that lets him know you're not going to be able to get away from the Lord. He had to be familiar with the Psalms that David had written about how you can't get away from God, but nonetheless, he tries to run. And we're no different really, are we? We try to run from God. We know what he's told us to do. We know that we should obey and we know that he knows best, but often we find ourselves walking in rebellious disobedience. That's exactly what Jonah did. And so he gets into the ship and he thinks he's going to run away. He's not going to Nineveh. He's going to Tarshish. The problem is God has other plans. And we have this brilliant metaphorical language as we see God hurling a great wind. This word in the Hebrew is kind of the picture of just a man taking a warrior, taking a spear and throwing it. This great wind comes upon the sea and this mighty tempest raises up and the ship is being tossed about. And it even gets to the point where it looks like the ship is actually going to crack apart and all would perish. These crew that was the, the crew that was on the ship, they were afraid and they begin to cry out to their God. Now you got to understand this is a big deal. These men have spent their entire lives, their entire existence has been spent on the water. 
So for the fact that these men were frightened enough that they had gotten to the place, that they're crying out to their gods and they're throwing the cargo overboard, this is a huge storm and they are frightened to death. At some point during this, the captain happens upon Jonah who's gone down into the inner part of the ship and he laid down and he was fast asleep. And when the captain finds him, he's absolutely astonished by this. He asks him, what in the world are you doing? Get up. Don't you know what's going on? We may die. Call out to your God. Perhaps he will be the one that can keep us from perishing. And so he, he makes his way up to the deck of the ship and he finds himself surrounded by all these sailors and they finally come up with the best plan that they can. And that's this. Let's cast lots. Perhaps when we cast these lots, we'll find out on whose account this evil has come upon us. Now, it's interesting that the crew assumes that it's evil. And you can imagine as they're casting lots, what is going on in Jonah's mind. Jonah perhaps is hoping that these pagan Phoenicians are perhaps they're just going to cast lots and nobody's going to know anything. But he knows the truth in his heart as to what's going on. And so they cast the lots. And you can imagine Jonah's surprise, or not really, when they say to him, the lot has fallen to you. Tell us, why is this happening? What do you do? Where do you come from? Where's your country? Who are your people? And it just rolls off Jonah's lips. I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, it's interesting that Jonah gladly confesses these things out loud to the crew. The problem is his life is not backing up what's going on. Don't you see this juxtaposition of the prophet of God being scolded by pagan pluralists who call out to all sorts of gods? And how easy is it for us to talk a big game of following the Lord and loving the Lord and who he is? He just tells them that he fears the Lord. Well, obviously, he doesn't fear the Lord that much or he wouldn't be running. But these men are so afraid and they say to him, what did you do and what are we going to do? He tells them, listen, there's only one thing that I know to do. Because they need this tempestuous sea to quiet down. They don't want to die. And so Jonah's answer is this. Pick me up. Throw me into the sea. And the sea will quiet down. Because I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Now we don't know whether he has some prophetic insight. And that this is actually the instruction of God. That you need to be tossed literally overboard. And that will make the sea still. Or perhaps he's just saying, you know what? I've messed up. I've I've made ruin of this. I, I just might as well just throw me overboard. Nobody else needs to perish just because of my disobedience. For whatever reason, he tells them, just throw me overboard. But the men don't want to do this. And so they try to row hard back to get back to the land. And, and they're just, you can imagine them throwing their backs into it. And they're working with all their might, fighting against the sea as it batters the boat. And they're trying their best to get away. Because if this God that Jonah has told them about is so powerful that this sort of storm has come upon them for this rebellious prophet, they don't want him to hold them guilty of this man's life. And so they actually call out to this God that Jonah has told them about. And they ask him for mercy that he would not hold them accountable for his life because he had done what he wanted. And they pick up Jonah and they throw him into the sea. And immediately the sea stops its raging. 
This made the sailors even more frightened. Not only were they frightened in the storm, but now they've heard about this God and they followed the instructions of the prophet. And now the sea immediately has ceased from its raging. This tremendous storm and this tempestuous sea has suddenly become glassy smooth. They're even more frightened now than they were before. They offer sacrifice to the Lord and they make vows to him. And then we have this little addendum right at the end of chapter 1. that tells us that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Now, now think about this, and I want to make sure that we don't miss this theme in the book of Jonah. Over and over and over, as you read through there, you're going to see God's sovereignty over creation. That in nature, God exercises his sovereignty and that his creatures know him and they respond to him. And so the Lord has appointed this great fish to come and swallow up Jonah. And for us, we think this is awful. This is terrible. This is uh, the, the worst thing that could happen. But in truth, this is actually his salvation. How long can you hold your breath? How long can you tread water? No, this is actually God's salvation. Jonah is now placed inside a fish in an environment that he can be sustained at least for a while in. And so the Bible tells us that Jonah stays in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This rebellious prophet, commanded to go to the Gentiles, in willful disobedience tries to run. And he's reminded of a truth that I'm sure would flow out of his mouth very smoothly and very easily as he's able to tell the facts about God. He's able to say that he fears God, but the truth is his actions don't align with what he says. On this day, let us gladly acknowledge that we too are rebellious. We often look at Jonah and we want to say, I can't believe he did that. But the truth of the matter is we too are rebellious. And let us be reminded that Jesus would throw himself into the ultimate sea, that we might be saved. There's some beautiful things that we're going to see this week in the book of Jonah. So I hope you're enjoying the reading and I'll see you again tomorrow for one more verse. Thanks for listening to the one more verse podcast. If you need more information about vertical purpose or one more verse, visit johnnicks.org. I'd love to connect with you and hear from you on social so you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram using the handle TheJohnNix. And don't forget, there's an app available to keep up with all these things and get additional resources. It's the Vertical Purpose app, and you can find it on your platform of choice. Guys, thanks again, and join me tomorrow for the One More Verse podcast.